Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to Brooko Mode. In this episode, we are joined by Alex Fudge. She's a personal trainer with a holistic approach to coaching. She's a very passionate coach and has genuine intentions to empower her clients for the long term. Expect to learn more about her holistic approach to coaching, how to create realistic habits, why you need to be content with where you're at, social media comparison, changing your mindset towards food and training, why no one has it figured out, and lots, lots more. I can't wait for you all to listen. Let's get into it. I didn't really know how to tell people it was happening. You've got to start living life. It's not going to last forever. If you've got something nice yeah. to say, say it. It's such a negative world. Why don't we start changing the way we talk? No, I've never been scared of dying. Talk judgment for curiosity. If you love yourself and the important people in your life love you, then that's all you really need. Alex Fudge, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So, um, lots to get into today. Uh, let's start with your coaching. What made you pursue it in the first place? I um, always had a really big interest in health and fitness, I guess, um, from a young age, especially like healthy eating. Um, and yeah, kind of stemmed away from sports in high school and picked up a love from the gym. Um, I think it was mainly the fact that like you're your only only competition kind of there. Um, so, yeah, started getting obsessed with that, was going most days. And then fast forward a couple years, um, kind of had the idea of personal training, but it was a very oversaturated industry. That was the rumour going around. Everyone's like, everyone's getting into it. Um, you would just be another stat, all the businesses fail kind of things. But it was one of those things that never... Never left my mind. Um, and so one day I just decided to bite the bullet, invested in the personal training set, and three and a half years later, here we are in business. Um, been doing that for three and a half years now. Fell in love with it. Um, and yeah, that's a very long story short, <laughs> but I have absolutely zero regrets. Best thing I ever did. The thing I love about your content is it's very 
realistic for girls. Yeah. And I think the PT industry is quite saturated and there's a lot of messages that are quite – it's hard to stick to a lot of the things that they're preaching. And yeah. a lot of them in the PT industry, they get into like the competitions. Yeah. So they're coaching people and it's sort of like – they're going down one path, but their clients are sort of down one path. And it's pretty hard to like personalize. And I feel like the messaging you have is very realistic. So how do you sort of optimize for girls' health and happiness in a way that's realistic? Yeah, well, I guess what with like what you were saying, like it's oversaturated, but I always say it's oversaturated with BS, I guess, a lot of the time. It's coaches that um, have clients that are forcing them to do what they want to do as a coach, not actually listening to the client and understanding them and taking them on their own path of what, like listening to what the client wants to do. So just because a coach wants to become a bodybuilder, like your client necessarily doesn't want to, doesn't want to train, doesn't want to eat that way. So I kind of have taken the approach with my business, like my clients are number one, like what their needs, their wants, their lifestyles, but adapting more of like a holistic approach, which is a very woo-woo word in our generation. Um, but looking at absolutely every single factor, so their sleep, stress, hormones, their cycle, um, any nutrient deficiencies, as well as like their classic, like their lifestyle, um, how they have like ha- like their relationship with food. Do they have like history of eating disorders, things like that, that might affect um, the nutrition pathway that we take on them. Their actual goals as well. Like so many girls, they'll come to me and they actually don't even have a fat loss goal. Mm. They just want to learn. They want to be able to learn how to lift weights. They want to be comfortable in the gym. They want to feel strong. They want to look strong, but they don't necessarily have just like a fat loss or a weight loss goal. And that's so important to actually understand because it kind of affects how you tailor their programming, their nutrition and their coaching all towards them. Um, So yeah, understanding all that about different girls, which is a lot to take on. And that's where a lot of coaches kind of won't invest the time because at the end of the day you're looking at every single factor but each factor feeds into each other so Mm. your sleep's going to affect your training your cycle's going to affect your training um it's going to affect your mood your moods are going to cycle back and affect your training like how often you're training that week if you're in a bad mood things like that so really understanding that about the girl and then tailoring their programming from there why should girls take their health more seriously i feel like sometimes we almost accept things that shouldn't be accepted like body dysfunction you know you hear a lot about well I wouldn't really know but you hear a lot about irregular periods fatigue some of the things you spoke to me about sometimes we it's almost like we just accept it yeah but it's important to take action so how do you sort of encourage your girls to sort of dispel the myth that they can they should just have that and you know change their lives I think we've as a society, have become to accept what's common, but just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. So it's so common for girls to have painful periods, irregular periods, for them to be bloated, for them to have low iron. Um, it's almost like the whole like girl math joke where it's just like, oh, I'm just a girl, like I've got low iron, I'm anemic. Um, I've had girls that have been on or like birth control, how common that is just as like used as a Band-Aid to mask so many symptoms. Symptoms of, of what? Um, like bloating, bad skin, um, bad moods, irregular periods a lot of the time, painful periods, like you go to the doctor and you just get slapped on birth control. And I'm not anti-pill at all, it definitely has its time and place, but these girls, they don't know why they're on it, they don't know how long they're going to be on it, and there's no other protocols. that They're not looking at all the other aspects that might actually be feeding into why they're having these issues. So why are you bloating? 
why are you low in iron? Um, why is your skin the way it is? And a lot of the time it's actually to do with their stress, their food, their training, their mood, like your gut, so many other aspects, but it's kind of just band-aided on and swept aside. Um, so there's just a lack of education. So yes, the pill has its time and place, but I think any girl that's gone to the doctor would be able to relate that you could go with a headache. It's kind of like short speaking, but you could go with a headache and you get, get like offered the pill. Mm. It is just used so way too easily, in my opinion, um, without proper education of the side effects as well. So how did you get educated and start to learn about all these things and sort of maybe change some things in your life? Yeah, so I'm still learning. Like at the end of the day, my job isn't to um, undermine or to take over the role of like doctors or health professionals at all. Like they have way more qualifications than me, absolutely. But I got into it. I had my own kind of problems when it came to um, overworking myself and the effects of stress on my own health. And it all kind of fed through there. I got my own mentor and coach who helped me educate me through that, um, the effects of cortisol on your overall health, on your training, um, on your skin, on your diet, absolutely everything. And it sparked a massive interest. And so I started, yeah, reaching out more for education, whether it be through podcasts, through seminars, um, through a coach of my own, just to be able to then use that information for my own clients. Because I think probably... 85% of the girls that walk through my door have some sort of, whether it be a cycle dysregularity, um, menstrual, like, yeah, cycle dysregularity, could be anemia, low iron, they're on the pill, they're bloated, like, they have acne and they're not sure why. Like, there's just so many health aspects out there that they've just been like, oh, the doctor said it's fine. But mm. you can see deep down they're so, like, they don't know any mm. better. They don't know why they have it. They don't know how to fix it. How do you empower women to make the change? My role is just, I guess, encouraging them to seek further answers and to seek, yeah, like help and support, whether it be through both myself and I have a team that I refer out to because obviously at the end of the day I'm going to stay in my scope of practice. I'm not there, like I said, to undermine a doctor or a health professional, but just encouraging them to seek further answers and giving them the resources to. Um, and it is great to see that a lot of them do take that on board as well and that they they wanted someone kind of on their side to help push them to do this for so long. Um, but I think, like I said, in our society, like it's just swept under the rug. It's like, oh, my friend also has been on the pill for so many years and struggles with like bloating, acne, um, like irregular periods, taking painkillers every month. Like it's not normal, but it's just so socially acceptable. What sort of shift have you seen in your girls that you coach, you know, some of their stories about, you know, taking action and, and not accepting these things? What sort of changes have you seen? Um, even just some of the smallest things like getting girls to start taking magnesium. Like I'm not a massive pusher for supplements. I literally have a partnership with a supplement company, but I still won't push supplements onto my clients because the main thing, as we know, supplements supplement your main foundations so your main thing is just like eating whole food diet starting to move your body focusing on sleep and stress but just by implementing magnesium I think every single check-in I have about three or four girls that are like my sleep is improved my mood's improved like my recovery's improved things like that that are like small wins that yeah they might not have lost five kilos that week but they have improved an aspect of their life that they're like oh shit like I wouldn't have done this before 
And those things are such positive feedbacks to me as a coach, being like, all right, we've made some small improvement to their life, like they're seeing that benefit. And then they're going to get that positive feedback loop, being like, hey, what else can I improve now? When they start to get on that positive feedback loop, and it's probably sort of being a perfectionist, and when I've gone into the space, is you start to become a bit obsessed. Yeah. And then it becomes unrealistic and unsustainable. So how do you fine-tune that balance between being realistic so you can be consistent versus like, getting these little one percenters everywhere i guess the difference with my business is i focus on habits so it's rather than like the end goal it's like what are those daily habits that you can implement to your life and are they realistic for you so if you're a working mum of three that's a single mum and you are out of the house from eight till six p.m every day it's not going to be a daily habit for you to get twelve thousand steps it's just not feasible So focusing on those little things that are, it's like, okay, like what can you do at work? Can you ask your work for a standing desk? Can you use like My Muscle Chef or one of those home delivery meals or something like that so you've got like healthy moods, meals prepped and things like that. All those that can just add those like 1% every single day. I think it's LSKD's like motto where it's like 1% better every single day. The combination of that after six to 12 months is going to be way more than them focusing on like a massive change in a week, which unfortunately is what we want as a society is that instant gratification. Girls want that change in a week. Do you have a lot of girls coming to you and they f- like their outcome oriented because they feel a, s- a pressure to look a certain way? Yeah, absolutely. I think I had a girl and actually it almost broke me when she sent it to me. She sent me a screenshot of a, I think it was a reel or a photo on Instagram. Um, and she was like, she'd only been with me about two weeks. She was like, this is what I want to look like. And I was like, to me, I think I've developed such a stronger mindset where I'm so aware of like angles and lighting and Photoshop and things like that, that I kind of look at social media as a grain of salt. And I've kind of curated my algorithm now to filter a lot of that stuff out because I know for myself, it's not good for my mental health. Um, But to see that still so prominent in girls, like comparing themselves to bodies online um, is like, it's actually so sad to see. So I guess just... I just encourage them as much as they can. Like, I think social media's got such a bad rap. I don't know if this is on the lines of your question, but social media's got such a bad rap where it's so bad for your mental health and it absolutely can be. But if you curate your algorithm to be positive, to be a space of like, whether it be quotes or encouraging posts or who you follow, things like that, it can actually be a positive space. It's just about who you're following. So encouraging those girls to, yeah, unfollow those accounts and try and change the algorithm from showing you that. And then just education, like Photoshop's everywhere. BBLs are everywhere these days, man. Like it's <laughs> crazy. I've seen so many of these influencers with BBLs realise they can make money off women and they're now selling like their booty building courses for like a cheap price but they're selling so many of them. And it's full, like it fools girls, absolutely. They've got a great ass, but it's mm. like it's not going to get you the results. Mm. I feel like social media, it's one of those classic human things where social media isn't the problem we're the problem but we blame social media yeah because it just it takes away the responsibility from ourselves it's like anything it's like alcohol yeah um we end up being the problem because we overuse it yeah and then we just blame the thing even though social media can be an amazing tool for like me to reach people and to other you can learn so much on social media yeah absolutely. and I, i think it's an important point like curating your algorithm to benefit you and but it's 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 really hard when you're in that sort of mindset when you're in the mindset where like you want to be like someone like you're not happy with who you are no your algorithm sort of just 
doesn't become like that because you're putting so much time into looking at all these people. But I think I think it's important to um, I think it's important with your social media to have because I could talking about comparison, like I could do so much work, like gym work, so much time into myself. I could change so much physically grow so much but i would still go on social media and there's still going to be people five times my size oh absolutely like there's always going to be people that are bigger or better than you Mm. um and it's it does like take a toll if you keep looking at those things but i guess like we have that good mindset where it's like we can accept where we are whilst also wanting to be better um but i think the mindset of a lot of the society is just like i don't look like that so why even bother trying or like girls will see People that have gone through massive weight loss changes and it's just like, I'm not there yet. Like, why? Like, that's gonna that took them six years. Like, I can't be bothered waiting that long. Like, they want that instant gratification. So if it's going to take me six years, I'm not even going to start. I think that's the ideal space to get to. It's happy with who you are. You love where you're at, but you can, you're still striving to get more. Absolutely. Like, I never used to think I would ever be able to say I was confident in who I am. I was honestly coming from, it's hard to believe, I was the shyest person in the class. Like, wouldn't talk to anyone. Mum used to have, have to, like, apologise to her friends, like, being like, sorry, she's just shy, she doesn't hate you. Um, when we'd go out and, I guess, working so much on myself and developing my confidence over the years, I'm not going to say I'm going to walk into the room and think I'm better than anyone because that's the furthest thing from the truth, but I'm confident in where I am and who I am at the moment. But there's still so many goals that I have and so many... Like I can see myself so much better than who I am right now. But it's also just being content with where you are. Because otherwise you're never going to be happy. Wow, that's very well summated. And that's exactly... I resonate so strongly with that. Because I think there's times where... I call it in my newsletter, I call it the vision vacuum. Where it's like, yeah. you know where you, you want to be. I heard that on a podcast that I was listening to. <laughs> it was like yesterday. Yeah, and it's like, you know where you want to be. And it can suck the life out of you. It can be yeah. very draining because you're not there. Yeah. But you know, you almost know you're going to get there because you're so committed to the process. Absolutely. But it's when you take yourself away from the present. Yeah. That you, you're not enjoying the present. You're not enjoying the journey. Yeah. And even when you get to that that place, guess what's going to happen? The goalposts are going to shift even further. Yeah. So you're on a never-ending cycle. Once you get to the end of that destination, there's going to be another destination. Exactly. But it's I guess it's all finding that balance within the journey, isn't it? Yeah. It's the same with weight loss with the girls. I'm like... If you aren't happy in yourself or your body, like you can lose all the weight. You can get to the smallest version of yourself. I've been there, done that. But you're not going to be happy if you like when you lose that 10 kilos, if you're not happy with yourself now. Like that's such an intrinsic thing. You have to be comfortable in yourself. Yes, it can, like losing that weight might help you improve your confidence and help, help it, but it's not going to automatically make you happy because then you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, what's next? What else can I improve? Like you're never going to be completely content until you actually work on what's inside. And it sounds so cheesy, but it's so true. Why do so many people outsource their self-worth to the, like, their external? I think it is just like comparison. Like we see the highlights of everyone else, whether it's like in person or it is social media, like we – only see other people's highlights but we see obviously both the low lights and highlights of our own lives and we're like shit that person has no low lights like I want to be like that I should be like that um it's such a thing of your 20s as well I feel like the whole mindset of your 20s kind of thing that I've been guilty of it I've done a lot of traveling where I've literally been sitting on a beach in Positano like living my best life and I'd open up Instagram for two seconds and there'd be someone that's just moved to Canada and gotten a job there and I'm like oh my god should I be doing that like I don't even know where I was going with that, <laughs> but like... Being content 
with yeah, where you're at. Yeah, just being content with where you're at. Like you're on your own journey, whether it's in your life or your fitness or things like that. Like same with fitness. You could be having a weight loss goal at the moment. You could be losing weight, but then you say you open up Instagram and you see someone squatting 100 kilos and you're like, shit, I want to be able to do that. But that's not aligned with like your path right now. And mm. so then you're devaluing or you're not happy with where you're at, but you're actually doing pretty well for your goal right now. Mm. But then you just like lose focus because you're comparing yourself. Yeah, you almost have to just be grateful that you're showing up for yourself. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, again, where it circles all back just to habits, just like doing it for yourself. Because the minute you start doing it for other people, like you're not going to stick to it. Yeah, and I talk about that. I think, I don't know if you've seen that, but I talk about the um, the impossible game. Like, like if you're doing it for other people and you're doing it for external things, like you change the way you, you live your life to win someone else's game. Yeah. And no matter how successful you are at this game, you, you can't win, you lose because you're not playing your own game. You're no. doing it for other people. And a lot of the time, those people that you're trying to win it for, they don't even realise you're playing. No, playing not at all. Yeah. Do you think, like, going through your own, I guess, eating struggles, does that make you more very empathetic as a coach to understand your clients? Because I feel like me going to the mind space, I've had, like, my own, not huge struggles, but own coming from a lower place to a higher place you sort of realize that it's not that you're not going to be you're not always going to be in such a good space do you think it's really helped you resonate with your clients absolutely I think obviously eating disorders are so prevalent whether it's an actual eating disorder or just unhealthy eating habits in society um, and as sad as it is how prevalent they are, again, there's something that's so normalised, like skipping breakfast or um, starving yourself all day so you can go binge drink, drink at night so that the calories don't count, little things like that. So having that empathy towards clients that it's not so easy just to be like stick to this meal plan because that might trigger them or track your food, that might trigger them, but also understanding when to, like if a client comes to me and they've still got like clear disordered eating habits that's like beyond my scope you're not coaching with me yet until you go get that Mm. sorted by someone a professional it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you but you need to address that before you go into the fitness space and I think that's what another thing that is I wouldn't call it toxic but it is a probably a problem in our like fitness industry is disordered eating habits that are masked by like tracking your food and things like that tracking is not obsessive and it's not an eating disorder in itself but girls even see my transformation, they don't see that kind of in-between where I regained weight, I came to what you'd call skinny fat. Like I wasn't happy with my body, but I had to heal the mental side of the eating disorder before you can then go into body recomposition and gaining muscle mass and losing body fat and things like that. Otherwise, you're kind of just swapping one obsession for the other. You're swapping one that's not socially acceptable to one that is, whether that be like is pretty common in the bodybuilding industry like eating disorders and anorexia straight into stepping on stage because if you step on stage you're super lean but you've done it in the gym then it's more socially acceptable so I think there's definitely like downsides to it in the industry where it's not looked at or taken seriously enough but again that's I think it's everywhere like it's in males as well just um disordered eating and that's 
not talked about enough either, I don't think. I think there's a lot of males that struggle with their eating habits, but it's kind of just brushed under the rug because eating Mm. disorders are a skinny white girl kind of disorder, which is so like the furthest thing from the truth, but it's just, I guess, that societal stereotype. I feel like you touched an important point. Someone has a problem, but then they make it like a socially acceptable problem to almost – is it to mask – do they – do they want to change or is it just really, really hard to change? Because, like, do they not – is it ignorance? Do they not know that there's a real problem and they think they're doing the right thing by, you know, they're instead of being anorexic, it becomes into bodybuilding competition so it looks – but they're not fixing that real internal problem. But do, do they have any idea that what they're doing isn't really fixing their true Yeah. Problem? I think a lot of it is obviously individual. Like, not to say, obviously, everyone that's bodybuilding has any disorders. That's furthest thing from the truth. At the end of the day, it's like a sport. But – Um, whether it's bodybuilding or anything it's so individual some of it's not ignorance it's just oblivion oblivious or actually no it probably is ignorance yeah it's hiding from it I know I was hiding from it for months if not years Um, people would see you lose weight slowly and say no I'm fine I'm just getting into my health and fitness like you'd start going to the gym but then one session a day turns into two and then like swapping out breakfast turns into also skipping dinner and you spiral down. But when you're deep inside such a dark place, like it doesn't matter what anyone says to you, like you are just so oblivious to it. You're like, no, I'm fine. Like I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Everyone's crazy. Like what are they saying? What do they know? I know better. I know myself. Mm. So whether they are intentionally being ignorant or oblivious or not, at the end of the day, there's an issue at hand. But I think it's up to everyone to deal with that themselves like no matter what anyone says to you until you're ready to change until you're ready to work on it and seek help you won't it's like any addiction whether it's alcoholism drug abuse things like that you no one can force you to change or get out of again any of those addictions or an eating disorder like you have to want to yeah i feel like if we slap labels on people and think that's almost gonna fix it but it really is up to someone to seek the help and, and do it for themselves, but it's it's really hard because like you, this is the hardest thing I think in the coaching world when you when you're trying to help someone and your yeah. person wants to help people and you can see someone has a problem yeah and this well, this is especially prevalent to me like you see someone has a problem you know how to fix it but you can't almost you almost have to show them the door yeah you can't really like just slam them into the door no nah, you can show them but if they want to turn away and walk to a different door or not walk through a door at all like it's sad and it's it sucks to see, but sometimes you can't force any more than that. Like until they are ready to change, you just hope to like be there for them, wait at the door and hope that one day they choose to walk through it. But I think at the end of the day, you've got to realise for yourself that no one's going to come save you. You could have the best support network around you, but until you are ready to change or want to change, you won't. Mm. Um, I think that was a massive thing for me. Like for so long, I was just so comfortable in it. Like it's, it's like a warm blanket around you. Like it's that sense of control. And so I wasn't ready to change for so long. And then one day it just clicks and you're like, you, this is either going to kill me or I kill it. And that's when I was like, shit, like I'm going to give this my all. And it's hard. It's, it is, a, at the end of the day, it's a mental disorder um, or, yeah, like a mental health disorder. It's not just the physical side effects. So there's therapy, there's dietitian appointments, there's things like that. But And it's work. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just one day you decide to eat a little bit more, regain the weight, and then it's like happy ever after. 
but it's the work that no one else that no one wants to do. But it's the work that needs to be done. Is is that why people find it so hard to, or is that why you found it hard? Like because it was the controlling aspect. Like there's so much uncertainty and change. Yeah, and it's almost like yes, this situation sucks. But at least I get to, like, control it. Yeah, and it, it is. Absolutely, deep down. I think there's so many addictions as well, whether it's, like, like I said, alcohol or drugs. Like, someone might can't cope with what's going on in their personal life, so they turn to what they can control. And that's, like, yeah, their food or their alcohol or their drugs and things like that. Or even a gym obsession as well. Like, it is pretty common, the whole overtraining. Mm. It's Again, it's something that's socially acceptable. <laughs> Um, training to the gym seven times a day for three hours a day, sorry, seven times a week for three hours a day. And you're just like, you're hiding something at the end of the day. You're trying to mask something because you can control your physique. You can control what you're lifting in the gym and things like that, but you're still masking something. So that's, again, something that's like socially acceptable, this whole, I think it's more common in almost guys as well, which is sad. Like they're struggling with their mental health and it's a socially acceptable form is to go to the gym and battle their demons for three hours a day, seven times a week. Because it's like, oh, he's just looking after his physical health. But it's like, what's actually going on? Like, are your mates checking up on you? Why Why are you doing this? I think the common trend that I see from the blokes I know have invested strongly into the gym yeah. is they have some sort of issue. They go to the gym almost to sort of cover, mask what the true problem is that they're feeling. They it, The external becomes very impressive. The physique yeah. becomes really good. They get a lot of validation and, you know, people are applauding them. But they're applauding them for an external, yeah. but the internal voice is still screaming like there's still doubts, there's still – and they're never going to feel truly loved or never going to feel that true sense of internal purpose and direction if they're getting applauded for something that's just running away from the true problem. Yeah, exactly. It's just not facing your problems face on. It's the same as like some of the – the saying like some of the richest people are the most unhappy like to the outside everyone's like wow like you've got it all but you talk to them and they're like I'm so lonely like I don't have a partner my parents going through divorce things like that like it's well the same as I guess in the fitness space like bodybuilding you go look at these girls on stage and I'll have girls message me be like I want to I want to look like this and I'm like okay why they're like oh they look so happy on stage they look so fit and I'm like go talk to one of them on peak week Mm. I don't like I've never body built like been in the bodybuilding world up close I've had friends that have been in it so obviously mine's like a very outsider perspective but some of my closest friends and you talk to them on peak week and they've never been more unhappy they look in the mirror and they have body dysmorphia they think they don't see that how lean they are they don't have their periods they then come out of it and they're binge eating and stuff because their body's so (laughs) bloody hungry and they're trying to reverse diet so but to an outside perspective, they're like, wow, they look insane. Like they've got this trophy on stage. They must be so happy. Like they've made it. I want to do that. So it's just that, yeah, I guess that mentality where you never know what's actually going on behind it. Yeah. I'm trying to find this quote. I need it. I'm tr- it's it's such a love good, a good quote. I love quotes. <laughs> it's one that sort of summarised this situation. Um, it was something about. Yeah, God forbid someone goes through my camera roll. It's just screenshots of quotes at this point. <laughs> That's good though. It is good. I think when you struggle, like I struggle to articulate my words or say what I want to say in like a, yeah, I wouldn't call it literate, but like in a proper way. And so I'll hear like I read a quote and I'll be like, that's what I'm thinking or that's what I want to say. But this person has put it into like proper words. 
I feel like I was listening to a podcast today talking about quotes and, and maxim and principles. I feel like there can be very succinct way markers. Yeah. For like, let's say you're, for me, it's, it helps decision making. You're like stuck on like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, okay, this is a quote I sort of believe in. Yeah, absolutely. It helps guide guide what you're after. Um, Okay, fuck I'm trying really hard here. I don't know. <laughs> I put stress. it. Pinterest.com. I put it somewhere. It's either in Instagram. Or it's still a SpongeBob interlude like 10 hours later. <laughs> okay, here we go. There, There is a special type of tragedy, a tragedy that unfolds where everyone else is clapping. So that basically means like when you're, the external is going very well. It's tragic because everyone's clapping mm. and everyone thinks you're happy, but inside you're all those traumas, insecurities are still there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just the biggest tragedy because you can be rich, you can be lean, but you're not gonna be happy. Yeah. Truly happy. Yeah, like you can be an influencer with a hundred thousand followers and still be the saddest person ever. Like you're you're just not happy in yourself. And you might not have social media and you could be one of the happiest in the world. Yeah, living off grid. Yeah. Um, how do we, from where you've been on your journey, how do you sort of keep a balance? Because I feel like guilt is a massive thing with eating. And I think even me, like, because I think men don't talk about it. No, no, we're nearly enough. But like, I still have things because like, I'm trying to be an athlete, right? And like, yeah. food has a big influence on how you look, how you're recovering, how you feel. Yeah. And I just feel like with men, it's just like, do you, I don't know if it's to do with the fact that it's so prevalent in women, they almost feel like it's not a male thing. Yeah. They yeah. just dismiss it. Absolutely. They might have these voices and they're like, and it comes to vulnerability and being weak as well. Like if, if they're talking about eating, that, that seems very feminine and they're yeah. going to, and it's already hard enough for men to speak about their own problems, yet alone a problem that is sort of socially categorized as like a female, yeah. as a female problem. But I think there's going to be a massive transitional phase where it starts to get spoken about more. But yeah. saying I struggled with, and I'm getting so much better at, is is being able to like treat yourself, but then not having the guilt because if you can't enjoy, because what's the point of like me eating, I don't know, putting some sauce on something because like barbecue sauce, I know that that's not amazing for me, but I still want to have it because I enjoy it. Yeah. But what's the point of having it if? One second after, it's this voices in your head saying like, "Oh, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done yeah. that." Like, how do we how do we remove the guilt? I've gotten so much better at it, and I can say some things that I've done. But I'm interested in how you've helped, maybe self whether it's self talk or sort of change the narrative around eating. I think yes, food is fuel, but it's also memories. Well, for me especially, it's memories, it's social occasions. It's I'm a foodie, like I love it. Like you'll probably see my Instagram stories. I go out for meals very regularly because I love trying new dinner spots. It's what me and my girlfriends do. We're not clubbers. We'll go out for dinner um, and try new places or brunch spots, things like that. So I think first and foremost, like depending on obviously the severity of it, like if you feel guilty with everything, that's straight up, that's therapy. Like, and that shouldn't be shamed upon, but that's like, there's proper techniques for that. And I've gone through that myself, whether it's, facing it like your fear foods things like that day-to-day things it's yeah like you said like food is there for enjoyment so unless something is making you physically sick you're intolerant to it or it's gone off it's not a bad food (laughs) like food at the end of the day is there for enjoyment but I think also paying attention to how it does make you feel after 
um, is a massive thing. So like, yeah, chuck some barbecue sauce in your food. Like you still feel fine after, but if you're going and eating a burger just because, wait, where am I going with this? Well, I feel like for me, like I know how much better I feel when I eat well. Yeah, exactly. But there's times like where having a small thing that's not fully optimally healthy is not really going to have that much of a negative impact. No. The biggest negative impact it has is in your, your head. Yeah. And that is so much more worse than what it does to your body. I think the stress of what we eat a lot of the time actually has yeah a worse effect on us than the food itself. Mm. So trying to remove that stress and realise like, like it's the whole 80-20 rule. Um, 80% of the time I'll eat my whole foods, like my lean meats, my proteins, my veg, my fruit, things like that. But like I said, I love to go out for dinner. I'm not big on drinking, but maybe once a month I'll have like some cocktails with the girls and that's my 20% because I – I actually crave that healthy food now. Like I don't eat it because it's classified as healthy. But if you presented me right now with a Big Mac versus like Zero's, but like a salad, like I'm <laughs> going to choose a salad because it actually, it makes me feel so much better after. I feel fuller. I know that it's doing good things for my body. I'm not going to feel that like lethargic slump after, which I think is another thing that's really socially acceptable. Like I was in a situation the other week and they, I think I had, they had like Milky Lane or one of those big, um, burger providers supply catering for everyone and 10 minutes after everyone ate these burgers they were just complaining about like they're like oh that was so good but I feel so sick now and I was like why like was that worth it mm. like you, we're paying attention to how it's actually making us feel and you're like was that really worth it like don't feel guilty about eating it if you wanted it eat it but like that should be your shift like looking at how that made you feel like shit this food isn't fueling my body in the way it should be like that's where you like what foods are going to make me feel better because you can spend your days eating this shit food, feeling shit. You should like, if you want to have that every now and then, then go for it. But like, is that really something, is that a way you want to be feeling on the day to day? And when you start paying attention to that, you're like, no, this so, makes it so much easier to eat healthier. Like I, if you asked me 10 years ago, you'd never think like growing up, I'd be excited to eat like a salad and my protein oats for breakfast. But I generally eat it because I'm like, it tastes good for me. It makes me feel good. And that's, like I said, I think in a recent video, like that's how you know you're doing healthy eating right. And it doesn't mean like salads and veggies 24-7. Like I said, I'll still go out. I'll get yochi. Like I went out for dinner and got yochi last night. Mm. But when I'm, I'm having those foods, I'm having those meals, I'm enjoying them. And then the next day I'm going back to like my 80% foods. There's no guilt associated with it. Like I enjoyed my time out with friends, enjoyed the food, shared the food. And then I go just straight back into my regular healthy eating. I think it's a practice of that, the whole like 80-20 balanced rule and the balanced lifestyle. And that's what I preach with my clients as well. So then the day, like my target demographic is younger females, like 16 up till I think my oldest client is about, probably my mum is like 53, yeah. but like typically around the 16 to like 40 year old mark. And we live in Australia. Like if I said, never go out to eat, never drink alcohol, um, only eat, fruits, veggies, and lean meats, they're going to be like, get wrecked. Like, mm. that's not sustainable. Whereas if I was like, eat these things 80% of the time, you can still go out to eat this amount of the time. This is how we kind of go out without blowing out. They're going to be like, okay, that's way more achievable for me. And whether their goal is fat loss or like just eating healthy in general or just learning how to like eat to make them feel good, like those are little achievable things that can, they can implement into their daily life. And they then take it on for years to come. So it's not a diet, it's just changing the their eating habits. Yeah, exactly. I feel like my biggest tip for the 80-20 rule or any sort of practice where you can enjoy the 
or whatever percentage of not living or eating a very optimal way. So, you know, treating yourself. The best thing I've done is to be consistent with it because then I can trust myself to do it. Yeah. Because when you can trust yourself, the voices go away because when you're eating the 20%, you know you're going to get back to the 80%. Absolutely, yeah. It's just when you spiral out, there's those doubts when you're in the 20% that your mind's like, oh, you, you know what's going to happen now. Like, And then those insecurities, especially if you're trying, let's say you're in an eating 80-20, but you're trying really hard at the gym and you're trying to do all these things to improve yourself and you're coming from a place of insecurity, which is totally fine. Yeah. But it's, you're going to get these voices and yeah. it's like learning to navigate them but being consistent with it. So it, it is hard to build trust within yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's just to give yourself the evidence that you can do it. So it's go, it's gonna be, it's not going to be easy but th- th- there is only one way to do it and that's just to keep doing it. Yeah, and so much of it is mindset. Like I think there is a quote and it's like you can eat all the salad you want but if you're still scared of a piece of pizza, like you're not healthy. And it's so true. Like a lot of food habits and food eating is – mindset and that's I guess why I've taken such a big like interest in mindset lately mm. and that's why yeah therapy is so important for it even if you don't have an eating disorder just to create those healthy food habits so you're not feeling guilty like I'd be like I've been in the fitness space for years and I've been recovered for years but like I'll still go out sometimes and be like oh should I be eating this but that's a thought that I've now got coping mechanisms just to squish straight away because mm. I'm just like depends on your goals as well like if you have a severe fat loss goal like an 80 20 rule might not be for you maybe it does need to be a 90 10 rule like restriction isn't always bad it doesn't mean cutting these things out completely but yeah you might those are times where you might have to have a little bit more discipline with your food but if your goal is just like living your best life and eating to make you feel good then yeah the 80 20 rules good like I think it's so individual and that's why the way I coach girls is so individual as well like, I'm not going to chuck every girl on a meal plan because it's like that whole quote, a meal plan's going to, oh, no, teach, teach a fisherman to fish. No. <laughs> do you want me to tell you that? Yeah, yeah, go on. If, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man a fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like I could give a girl a meal plan, but if she doesn't know how to eat in general or how to create a balanced meal, like, that meal plan might last her a week and then she's going to be like, okay, what next? Or think for herself through yeah, difficult think decisions. Yeah. yeah, she's not going to learn how to, like, healthy eat for the next 10 years, which is my goal. Like, it's a shit business model. But at the end of the day, in a few years or even after, like, a few months, I don't want the girls to need me. Like, they should want me, absolutely, as, like, their mm. accountability, their support. But they shouldn't need me. They should know how did they get those results. Like, how can they maintain these for years and years to come, like, their entire life and that's where the habits come through like yeah it's a shit business model I could be making five times the money if I was going to rip them off and tell them that I've got some secret sauce for them but I don't I was having the day like move your body more fix your eating habits through whatever way we do but yeah like I actually want them to learn (laughs) like you should know how I'm getting you the results to me a lot of this stuff seems quite simple in the sense of like but why is it why do we why is it so complicated like do we all like being healthy, in theory, is quite easy. Like we, a lot of people feel like they know what to do. Yeah. But why is it so hard for? Why is like the average person obese or overweight? Like what? Why do do you have any ideas on why we Wait, struggle? There's, a, there's probably a million different things. Um, give me one sec. I just had a brain fog. Um, can you restate the question? Well, I'm just interested in like I feel like people know. Like you've got to sleep well, yeah. You've got to eat well. You've got to move your body. There's so much awareness, yeah. But 
there isn't much. The stats don't lie. No. Like, the, you know, there's there's a lot of, like, average person is overweight. I feel like we know what to do, but, like, we almost maybe don't know how to do it and, like, with the tools. And I feel yeah. like that's where coaching's quite important. Yeah. I think that what makes you a good coach is, like, equipping them with the tools so they can go from dependent on you to being independent with how they do it because they have the tools now. And, yes, you're going to be a good accountability, learn new things. Yeah. But they're not relying on you, like – oh, my God, do I eat this or this? Like, oh, fuck, let's just text my coach. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of girls look at it if they've come, if they've come from, like, like they're at square one and they look at someone who's been doing it for years and years and they're like, oh, my God, like, my lifestyle's nothing near that. That's so much I need to change. I Like, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm not going to change anything. So they stay in their habits for another six months and then they revisit it and they're like, okay, maybe now's my time to get a coach. But then again, they look at it and they're like, nah, like, I've never even stepped foot in a gym and now, like, this person thinks I need to track my macros, train five times a week. Whereas it's, like, starting from square one is, like, you can just change one little thing and you're going to improve your life. Like, I'll have girls that come to me and I'm, like, I don't need you to track your food. Yeah, I just want you to incorporate breakfast into your day. And, like, what do you mean you're not going to overhaul my diet? I'm, like, you're under eating. I just want you to start having a balanced breakfast. And then once you tick that off for a week or two, let's then address like another little milestone, like pick that low hanging fruit, nail those and then work your way up. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think that's important to like slowly, because this is a common, I've interviewed a few people like coaches and stuff and yeah. the common trend I'm getting is start it small, like yeah. maybe the most pressing thing and then start to slowly add things because I feel like it, is it just too overwhelming to be like, boom, here's everything you need to know. Like I know this stuff here you go, here's a cookie cutter, a theoretical yeah. approach to do it. Like you've got to be very individualised, like what's going on in your life. And I feel like the holistic approach you have is sort of very suitable for the personalised approach. Yeah, like if I've got a girl that's come through and she's um, under eating, she's never touched a weight in her life, she doesn't know what a rep is and she can't hip hinge, then if I was to give her a cookie cutter program of like all these barbell exercises where she doesn't even know what a barbell is and tell her to eat 120 grams of protein a day, she's going to be like, what language are you talking to me? Like, mm. whereas I was like, if I then like strip it all back, get her to fill out a food diary, have a look at that, maybe find a way where we can incorporate some more food and then get her to invest that money rather than online coaching into some actual one-on-ones. I think that's something... I'm pretty big on as well is like online coaching is blown up lately and yes it's a great money for coaches to, sorry it's a great way for coaches to make money and for girls to get fitness um, advice and coaching without paying as much as personal training but then the day if you've never touched a weight in your life and you're still terrified of the gym that money is so much better invested in some one-on-one sessions mm-hmm. where you're actually getting introduced to the gym otherwise you're going to be given a cookie cutter program with all these complex ex- or even not complex exercises but exercises that you're too scared to do and you're actually not going to get the results so it's again like finding things that are suitable for that girl and if they, she can't afford that it's like okay maybe bring a friend along and do a two-for-one session or something like mm-hmm. that I think that whole thing where it's not a cookie cutter approach for everyone like everyone's journey is different so yes online coaching is great it's got amazing benefits but if you've so terrified of the gym and you don't even know what protein means then maybe like one-on-one's better for you yeah okay i get it what about okay someone comes to you they know this stuff like they're in you've taught them a few things yeah they've done it for two weeks a few results but 
you know, it's not as quick as they want it to be. Yeah. They have this vision of what they want to look like. It takes time. Yeah. But how do you how do you help people realize that it's going to take time? How do you almost make them aware like you're going to have to keep showing up? Like yeah. you're going to have to. You're not always going to be fully motivated. You need to be. There's going to be an element of discipline. Yeah. How do you sort of teach them these mindset comes so mindset concepts if they're sort of unfamiliar to the gym in the first place? It's definitely hard. I think that. Um, People love to sell quick results. Again, the instant gratification, like everyone says instant gratification, but the weight that you've taken two years to gain is not going to come off in two weeks. Mm. That's probably the first thing I say to them and it sucks and they're like, oh, wow, yeah, that's true. Like that does make sense. But it still doesn't help the fact that they want it to come off that quickly. But that, I guess, then circles back to that whole like enjoy the process. Like if you're going to hate the process, you're not going to stick to it. Whereas if you can learn ways to enjoy the process whilst getting the results... You're going to, like, the time's going to go by either way. Like, the six months is going to go by either way. You can either spend that six months working on the process and at the end of six months have the results you want. Or you can be like, it's been two weeks, I haven't got any results, I'm going to go back to my old habits and either stay the same or probably get worse. How do we enjoy the process more? What are some practical, practical ways, do you reckon? Enjoy your training is the main one. I think... I've seen as a society, I think in the past couple of months, especially our shift turned from that hypertrophy bodybuilding training only to like more of a performance-based training, um, which is really actually positive to see or chasing more performance goals rather than aesthetic goals. So yes, while I still preach like weights training um, and strength training in the gym, like seeing, I guess, that whole running trend go around rather mm. than so many girls wanting to step up on stage is really positive. And that means that they're enjoying the process like, I tell my girls, I'm like, okay, you don't always have to have a, like, physique goal, but, like, what's a performance goal that we can work towards? And so it, a lot of them, it's a pull-up because pull-ups are hard for girls, yeah. things like that. And then they enjoy, like, doing all their gym training sessions because they're like, I know I'm working towards those pull-ups. And when they get it, it's, like, the best thing to say as a coach. Um, they've learned to, yeah, enjoy that style of training for that, for that goal. But if someone comes to me, they try training for four to eight weeks and they go, I just don't like the gym. I prefer sports. I'm not there to convince you or force you to be in the gym if you hate it. Like, that's not my role. If you enjoy sports. At the end of the day, I think as a society, we need to stop, like, demonising each other's form of exercise. If you prefer sports, go play sports. If that's going to keep you fit and healthy. I think everyone, especially people that run businesses, um are going to shit on each other's methods of training. Like, this isn't optimal, this is optimal. Like, we need to focus on the fact is that society is overweight. If someone playing sport is going to keep them at a healthy weight when they are terrified or they hate the gym or they can't afford the gym, like, let them be, go be it. Like, or same with Pilates. Like, yes, it's not going to get you the toned results. Like, social media might convince girls it's going to. But if it works for someone's lifestyle, they get a free Pilates membership or, I don't know, with their work or something like that and they don't have time to get to the gym, like, movement's movement at the end of the day. Yeah. So I think we're fighting the wrong battles. We're fighting each other when we should be fighting the health issues at hand. Couldn't agree more. I feel like the misconception with changing your life is that it should always be so hard. There are times where it's going to be challenging, you're a bit tired, but it should be fun. And it's saying I'm getting to learn, like, there's going to be – a way to there's there's many ways to skin a cat like yeah you find sort of a goal yeah. sort of where you want to be and there's many ways to get there but choose the one that's going to be the way you can be most consistent it, as simple as it is like you want to get somewhere 
there's many ways to get there. Find the one that you're going to be most consistent with, which exactly. is most likely to be the one that you have the most fun doing. Talking about enjoying the process, and we mentioned it before, um, before the podcast about f- like like-minded friends. Like, yeah. and I feel like when you're doing it with other people, with other friends, it can be so much more enjoyable. You're sort of in it together. Yeah. But you mentioned that a lot of women don't have many like-minded friends, and I feel like friend groups can you can sort of get almost stuck in them and afraid to reach out and meet new other people yeah. other people so talk us through that i think it's um again something in like your 20s but girls in their 30s and stuff and guys suffer with it as well i think as you everyone's maturing and growing and people getting like big girl big boy jobs like your friend groups change so much and your goals might change that don't align with these friends you've been friends with for six or seven years and you're like shit i feel like i have to stay with them but they might still be going out drinking and partying every weekend where if you Whereas you don't really want to do that anymore. So you kind of separate yourself a little bit and then, yeah, you get stuck. Like, well, you're in your 20s. You don't have school to see people every single day out or, like, forced friendships. You're like, how do I meet people um, that are like-minded as me and that want the same things as me that want to get better? And it's good, actually, to see in the past, I think, year especially, more things around the Perth space pop up to facilitate that whether it be like these run clubs whether it be like group events like cold nips Mm. and that's why I really try and encourage community like in my own business like whether it's a paint and sleep with the girls taking them for yoga pilates things like that I think I always struggled with it and I never really talked much about it because I was like I'm the only one that doesn't have a really close friend group like all these Mm. girls have their friends from high school and I kind of lost a bit of that um like never a falling out but I think I my focus was my business and I kind of separated that way while a lot of people were still stuck in like that party era which was nothing wrong with that but I remember just realizing one day I was like you're a reflection of your the people around you like mm, five is this closest, re- yeah. yeah the five closest people around you like is this who I want to be a reflection of right now and my answer was no and so yeah, I guess being in the space I'm in, it's quite handy because I can meet people that are in a similar space. A lot of the time people in that in the gym, they want to better themselves as well. So that's quite handy. But it's not as easy for a lot of other people. So getting involved in like community friend, like community events and stepping out of that comfort zone, it can be terrifying, absolutely. But the more you push yourself, like you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Do you think women struggle with that? Like they're like, oh, I want to lose weight. I want to like maybe go out a bit less, but then they're surrounded by friends who are screaming like, Oh, let's go out. Let's go get drunk. Let's, yeah. let's go clubbing and see boys. Like, absolutely. Like you got to, I think there's friend groups for different things. Mm. And if you've realized that those friends no longer serve you in that regard, like you don't have to cut cold them, like cut them off completely. I just like, like my way, main way these days of catching up with girlfriends is literally like the whole half walk. Like we'll just go coffee and go for a walk. Cause I'm like, we get to stay active I can hear about, th- like, we get to chat and then, like, we both are usually pretty time poor, so it's an hour and you're done, but you can still see them rather than, like, like a Saturday night at Pre's where you're both intoxicated, you don't remember it the next day, you wake up with hangovers and it's not, like, proper friendships. And I think I'll have friends I'll go for walks with, I'll have friends that I could easily go away on holiday with for a weekend down south, I'll have friends that I'll go for dinner with or I'll train in the gym with. And I will have friends that, like, yeah, we might go to the odd event together or something. But each friend, what am I trying to say? What about drinking friends? Like we're talking about like socialising and friend groups and most people's friend groups are centred around like drinking activities. 
But I think saying I've gotten into huge in the last six months because I hardly drink is like coffee and going for a walk. Yeah. I'm not even going to lie. I used to look at that and I was I thought it was quite cringe. Yeah. I like not going to lie. Yeah. I, I looked at it, I'm like, that's a bit weird. Like, yeah, you're like, what do people talk about on their walks? <laughs> and now I'm obsessed. Like that's my main form of like – like I, d- I walk with one of my good mates along the coast most nights, yeah. 45 minutes an hour. It's so – and we legit like philosophize and yeah. like it's so fun. If you can't talk with your friends without alcohol involved, like you don't have enough in common to probably be friends. Like it's like you sh- should be able to be talking about things other than like going out, hooking up, like drinks, drugs, things like that. Like that's not proper friendship. And I think I think everyone gets to a point in their life where they realise it. Some people just realise it earlier than others. Um, but yeah, like... I guess it's just choosing different things to do that don't involve alcohol. And in Australia, it does suck. There's such a heavy drinking culture. Like I see a lot of my guy mates, not only time, because they work six to four tradie jobs, the only time they'll see their friends is on a pub on a Friday, Saturday night. And I'm just like, it would be so good to see a shift in that, especially for males, I think, into doing what us girls do when we go for coffee and walks um, and things like that. Like I actually really enjoy it going down the coast and seeing two guys walking side by side, like yeah. two mates, because I'm like, that's so good to see like they're having chats, like they're catching up with each other, but there's not always alcohol partying involved. I don't know why men struggle with it so much. I've been around a lot of situations and when the conversations you have at a prees versus along the coast, yeah, different worlds. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can get, like you said, so philosophical, so deep, like, it doesn't always have to be like talking about your dreams and your goals and stuff, but it can just be like quality conversations with someone and like you're just present with them. Like you're not – you actually want to be there. Like you've taken the effort to drive to the coast or drive to wherever you're going to go for a walk with. Like you want to see that person, whereas half the time at Prees you're surrounded by people that – I think it's that whole thing where it's like, why are you in bed so it's like I'd much rather be here than surrounded by people that don't care if I'm in mm. the room or not. I think the key word you touched on was – was present and I feel yeah. like at pre's at pre's people think you're present but no. I remember that so much like you're not no. you're thinking about who girls you could talk to or yeah. guys you could talk to or the alcohol you're going to have what club you're going to go to everyone's on their phones on yeah. snapchat like messaging other people that aren't even there and you're like that's not being present like yeah. it's so sad seeing social interactions where like like I'm guilty of it as well like our phones are everything but I make such a conscious effort like if I'm out with someone I will try and put my phone away. Obviously, I love to take a good photo of food and stuff like that, but I'll literally whip my phone out for two seconds, take a photo, put it straight away if I'm out with my girlfriends and stuff because, like I said, like you're not present. You're not actually like living in the moment. I used to be very guilty of it, like going my phone around my mates. Like I'm like, very good. I like don't go on my phone around mates now. Yeah. But it doesn't just happen overnight. Like phone addiction is huge, but it's the power of like being present. And yeah. en- but I feel like it's a skill and like you've got to learn to – learn to do it and a lot of the time it's like I have this app now on some social media sites it can be annoying because I have to post on social media yeah it's like I have to wait six seconds to go on my phone like to go on a social media app oh that's so good but all that's doing is creating awareness yeah absolutely because I feel like it's so easy like it's instant gratification like oh I'm bored let's just check this boom 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 check four apps it's so bad for us and I think the biggest thing it's again one of those habits that I encourage for my girls because it's made such a difference for me Like, I don't touch my phone within half an hour of waking and usually that ends up being two, two and a half hours because I'll go straight from home, get up, go to work, do clients and then by the time I have, like, a coffee break, it'll be, like, two or three clients. Mm. 
and the shift in my mental health just from doing that is insane. Obviously, like, I'll flick over, turn my alarm off and check if I've got any messages from clients. But if there's – like, I won't go through emails, I won't go through Instagram, likes, DMs, things like that because that is the worst way to start your day. If you wake up and <laughs> – you wake up and you want to be better you're someone who's motivated and if you listen to this you're most likely wanting to be better in some way if you check your phone and you go and scroll social media you almost can't win the day because you're not going to most likely surpass someone you see on social media that no. day no someone's just got engaged someone's just like even like following other pts it's like someone's just got an extra eight clients you're like Shit, i only got three this week like it's that comparison and so it's just started your day off on the wrong foot and that's the first thing you've seen, let alone like the light that's actually coming from your phone that's affecting like mm. your brain and things like that. Like it sounds, I think all those things that sound very wishy-washy and small, insignificant habits, they're all the things that we've always as a society seen as so insignificant that we don't do them. And overlook them. Yeah, we overlook them. Like yeah. even something, I don't know about you, but grounding. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like I sound, I talked to mum about it and she was like, you sound like a hippie. <laughs> But literally just taking my shoes off at the beach or going outside and like putting my feet to the earth, like it helps so much. Mm. Um, or cold, like cold showers, they're like my favourite thing to do. Yeah, not touching my phone within like half an hour of waking up, trying not to go on it before my bed as well, like before bed as well. Um, that's a massive one because it does, it affects your sleep, it affects everything. And same with girls, like it affects your training. It all feeds back to that fitness industry, whether it's your training and your food choices, like where you, if you're on your phone before you go to sleep, you're not going to get good quality sleep. Then you're going to wake up the next day. And I've never met someone that's been ready to go hit PBs at the gym with poor quality sleep. Or I've never met someone that's ready to go like meal prep their food and get their 10,000 steps with like poor quality sleep. Mm. I, I, you'll like this. It's a, a concept that I spoke about in one of my letters and it's called easy and hard mode. We often think a task has a fixed level of difficulty, i.e. going to the gym in the morning but it's often shaped by the actions we take in preparation. Will we do the task on easy or hard mode? Example, going to the gym in the morning. Easy mode, healthy dinner, nighttime routine, preparing morning gym clothes. The hard mode is the inversion. Late night sugar snacking, late night scrolling on your phone, not preparing your clothes for the gym. So Jack proposed that we put ourselves into hard mode and this is what kills our consistency. It's actually a genius conception because then we can take the focus off the task and put more energy into the conditions around the task. Make it as easy as possible for us to succeed. The thing will be the same no matter how much we think of it. Put that energy into shifting the thing into easy mode. Yeah, I think there's something mentioned kind of similar because that's to do with like, I guess, habits and behaviours. I was reading Atomic Habits and I left the book somewhere, but I found it such a helpful book because it was, yeah, like how can this task that I don't want to do, how can I make it easier or more like, attractive? I think the whole thing was like shipping it, shifting it from being an unattractive task to an attractive one. So like, yeah, you don't want to, I think one guy who wanted to watch um, TV, but he needed to exercise to lose weight. So he hooked his TV up to like a bike and the TV wouldn't work unless you cycle on your bike. <laughs> like little things like that. Habit or, stacking. Yeah. The whole habit of. stacking thing. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. Um, what about saying I'm really, really interested in is someone who's in this space and saying I've had to deal with a lot I'm getting really better at is if you're preaching this, you can't be flawed. You have to be perfect. Yeah. So how do you how have you learnt to deal with B 
being imperfect and almost being able to use that as like a superpower to empower people to realize that you can struggle be tired not be perfect but still get the thing done in spite of all that yeah it's definitely hard because I guess yeah obviously when girls look up to you or even when I look up to someone else you expect them to like be 100% perfect and like live with what they preach and I absolutely live by what I preach but I still have days like where I don't feel like training or I have days where I didn't sleep enough the night before like even last night things like that like I will never be 100% perfect but it's I I think I'm just openly admitted to the girls with it like I do those things 99% of the time but it makes me more relatable as well like I'm not a robot I'll have days where like I've planned to do a gym session and genuinely like I would have ended up being stuck with programming for six hours and I didn't have time that day but it's like I then teach them I'm like all right well how have I corrected the rest of the week to make up for that and then just gone back to my regular daily habits like I haven't built that myself up about it I've just been like okay what can I fix for the next day and then constantly improving from there um it's not the it's let, let's consider that a fail, not going to the gym. It's not yeah. the failure that defines you. It's the response to the failure. Yeah. It's like almost you have this trajectory of like where you're going and yeah. like one little deviation downwards. It's like that's where mindset's so important. That's where you can choose to respond and get back on track and improve and maybe learn from whatever happened or it spirals in the self-talk like, oh, this is always going to happen. Like yeah. I'm no good. And then it goes really down. That's why mindset's so important because you're always going to fail. Yeah, it was that quote, it's like life is like 5% what happens to you and 95% about like how you respond to it. And it's mm. so true. Like I think I never used to – I used to be like such an overthinker and like get so down. But like even last week I cracked my phone and like the old me would have been like bet myself up about it, like cried, been like – not the fact that I cracked my phone but more like the expense of it, things like that. And I was like that was like the 5% that happened to me. I can let that ruin my day. It was 5am when it happened. I was like, I can let that ruin my day, take that into my entire day, or I can just tap on the shoulder be like, shit, there's literally nothing else I can do to fix mm. it right now. Like, I can let it affect my day or I can go on about it, just do what I can, which is go and get it fixed, cop whatever cost it is, and just move on with life. Or like, even when my phone, I had, it always happens to a phone. <laughs> like, my phone got stolen or something um, when I was on holiday one time, and I was like, shit, like, I can let that ruin the rest of my trip or I can just be like, okay, separate that event. What can I, what can I control? Mm. And that's so much with girls fitness journeys as well. I'm like, all right, maybe you're going through a breakup right now, or maybe you've got this health issue going on, or you've got this happening in your life. Work's picked up heaps. Like you've got so many social occasions that you can't control. What can you control? And let's focus on those. Mm. And that's where you have the power to change those things and those other things that you can't control. Let's not stress about them. Yeah, I think there's so much in locus of control, like learning to win what you can control. But it's hard because a lot of the time, the like the things you can't control, you're trying so hard to control them. Yeah. Because like that, so a lot of the time they can be important. Like, for example, if I'm getting picked for a sport team, like that's important. I want to be in the side, yeah. but I can't control whether I'm picked. But that's no. still important to me. So it's, it's it's sort of naive to dismiss. Yeah being picked for the team but it's learning ways to concentrate your energy on what you can control so it's not all consuming it's the same as people's opinions of you like yes like we'd both be lying for like i don't care what anyone thinks of me like everyone does but you're like you can't control what someone thinks of you like Mm. at the end of the day that's a reflection of who they are like if you know in yourself you're a good person you do good things what someone thinks of you is a them issue and it reflects way more on them like yes you still 
probably is a little bit of you that does care, like we all do, but you can't control it. Like you're not going to sit there and beg someone to like you. Like why would you do that? I feel like it's how you respond to that voice. Like a lot of the time, like there's times in social situations where you do something, you say something, you do some action, and there might be that voice in you that has that sort of like little fear of judgment. Yeah. But it's like almost how you respond to that. And that's where I think quotes and maxims and being really on top of this mindset stuff is important because yeah. you just give yourself a little reminder, yeah. whatever situation, and it just ke- it, it just almost grounds you and you're like, okay, just let go of that. It's like the power of being able to like let go of that voice because it's just, like I said, it just spirals out of control. Oh, our brain will blow up anything. Like sometimes I'll be in a situation where I've said something and we all like it and we're like, oh my God, everyone heard that. Like I shouldn't have said that. Why did I say that? Mm. And we blow it up into this massive thing whereas no one else in the room is even paying attention to what you said. Mm. They're just like, they didn't even hear it half the time. And people forget what you say. They yeah. remember how they you made them feel. It's again like a quote, like everyone is very concerned with what they are doing in themselves and which as they should be but we're so we're always like oh my god they're so concerned with my set like with me mm. and they're not half the time you just gotta go live your best life and do your own thing and like they say like if someone's gonna judge you you can't stop someone from judging you they're gonna do it but half the time it's out of jealousy or just insecurity it's of a themselves. projection it's a it's projection on themselves yeah and and then i it's not arrogant to have this mindset but the way i deal with it because you I deal with it with a way that suits me. Yeah. And I tell myself if someone wants to project their insecurities onto me, like I feel sorry for them and employ that sympathy mindset because they're obviously dealing with stuff or they've gone through stuff that makes yeah. them feel the need to have this negative view of me when I yeah. know for all intents and purposes I'm a good person trying to do good things. So it's just that's the way I deal with it, to let go of that pressure to please everyone and, and win everyone's approval Yeah, because you can't and it's – it's very consuming. You'll never win. And then the people that care about you and that you care about, like, see you as, like, this amazing human and that's the only thing that should count. Like, not mm. what this stranger that you've met maybe once or twice does or half the time you haven't met them. I feel like people compromise People compromise their self-respect to out to get respect of others. They yeah. outsource their own sense of worth for short-term gain. A lot of it comes back to can you put off something – easy right now for like the long-term benefit like the instant gratification thing like oh there's this awkward situation like there's this voice in your head that's a hard situation like can you be strong enough have the tools to go through the situation so that the the future you is thanking you yeah even when it came to first starting like my business like I was terrified I was like oh my god like people are going to think like who's this like who am I I've never even trained a client before to start my own personal training business and start Mm -hmm. my Instagram and things like that. And the people that judge you back then are the ones that are now like writing in coaching applications and like congratulating you and things like that. Like it's people, I think it's that whole thing. People judge you and then they'll ask how you did it. And wow. that's the mindset probably that you've probably experienced with the podcast as well. Like without a doubt, you probably had some people that were just like, oh, like who does he think to start a podcast? Like anything. And now they're like, hey bro, can I come on? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had a bit of that recently. Yeah. But, um, I call it the proof paradox and anyone who's going the entrepreneurial space will understand and I'm still going through this and you're almost always going through this but it's when we don't have the evidence to prove that our journey is justified, it can stop us from taking further action to create the proof we need to justify the journey. Paradox. So we don't have evidence. So let's say this podcast, not making money, like what's the point? The only way it's ever going to be in a situation where it might be 
in a place to make money is to continue making evidence, like proof, yeah. keep going. But it's that the fact that it's not the future now, it stops people from... So people don't believe they're almost worthy of, of doing it. But that's the only way you're going to be able to be in that situation. You're be delusional, man. Like you have to be like, without a doubt, be like, this is going to be successful. A hundred percent. I had, I don't know if you know Teal, had Teal Lion on um, from Lunar Love Club. And yeah. what's her thing called? Active by Teal? Active by Teal. Yeah. And yeah, she talked hugely about positive delusions. Mm. And I think they're so important. It's yeah. like, but uh, <laughs> this is me. I'm, I've got all my theory book here, but... One of my new ones is called Proportional Delusion. You've got so many names going. <laughs> <laughs> so positive delusions should be proportional to the, to the evidence you have. So it's a compromise between optimism and pragmatism. Yeah. It's sufficient evidence to justify the positive delusion. Because I feel like there's nothing wrong with being delusional, but it's like me saying like, oh, next year I'm going to be bigger than Joe Rogan. So, yeah. Mm. But yeah. it can Realistic. be like, oh, I could be like this could be – a a pretty big podcast within Perth. Like that's yeah. at least it's proportional to what's currently now. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, it's within reason for anything, but then realising like there's no reason that maybe like by the time you're 50, you could be bigger than Joe Rogan if you really wanted to. Like, mm. um, What about t- like time frame for goal setting? I feel like because we're not, we're not patient. Yeah. And it's like if I just told myself like three months, like if I don't get the rewards, like I'll stop doing it. Yeah. But a lot of the time I had this thing like, um, it's called like watering the bamboo. I'll quickly read it. It's like, it's if you water giant timber bamboo in the first year, nothing happens. If you water it the second year, nothing happens. If you water it the third year, nothing happens. But when you water the bamboo the fourth year, it will rocket up an astonishing 90 feet in only 60 days. Yeah. That's just when it comes back to habits and consistency. And I'll probably said it 50 times already on this podcast today and that's why I preach it in my business is the time's going to pass either way. You can either in six months have the results eventually that you probably didn't see in the first two weeks or after two weeks give up. But I am a realist with my clients as well. That's why I don't do like six, eight-week challenges, mm-hmm. things like that because in the day you're not going to fix in eight weeks what you've built on in two years. And it's not sexy to hear. It doesn't sell. Like mm. it does not sell. Um, but I've always stuck to my morals so hard with my business, and I'm like, I'm not gonna rip girls off in the cape in foot. Sorry, I'm not gonna rip girls off for the sake of making money. Mm. I'm gonna be realistic with you. But it's like, okay, how can then I separate myself from these other coaches that are promising those short term fixes? And that's where I have that difference, I guess, where I do focus on that, like their entire health, their stress, their hormones, their happiness whether they're enjoying their training like whether they even want to track their food do they even want to lose weight or do they just want to get comfortable in the gym things like that um at the end of the day if you're doing these short-term fixes you're just going to rebound and end up just where you were and Mm. that's just like you said with the whole problem with our society how we're overweight and that's coming from this diet culture and the yo-yo dieting where it's like people want short-term fixes they see a four-week challenge on facebook they go hell yeah sign me up they restrict themselves to a thousand calories for four weeks they lose the weight, but then they're so bloody hungry. Then they mm. just rebound. They end up in the same situation, if not worse. And then they usually give up because they're like, well, it doesn't work for me. They get the outcomes, but they don't change. Either they don't change the pro- like a long-term process or they don't change the core belief that they have about themselves. Yeah. And that drives us so much. Like, like Intrinsic motivation. And what you believe you are, like you might have an, 
to give yourself evidence, it changes what you think you can do. Like if I run a marathon, suddenly like I have this belief that I can run or like, yeah. you know, I might be able to do 60 kilometers. So you need to almost give yourself the evidence to change your behaviors and what you do. It shapes what you think you're capable of. Yeah. If you don't you believe you're worthy of the change, then you won't change. Like, and if you don't change, nothing changes. Mm. But you do, like, yes, I do believe sometimes like a little bit of, a not a quick fix, but a little bit of like, say if you had a weight loss goal, like getting that initial weight loss for a client and then building them back up and doing things a little bit more sustainable can then give them that positive first little bump. They're like, oh shit, this is going to work. I can do this. But like, I'm not going to stick them on six weeks of restrictive calories at all. But if I can get them a little bit of like results or a little bit of the ball rolling in the first one or two weeks to keep them sticking to it, then yeah, I'll do that. That's that's a huge thing. And I see this in the mindset one. Sometimes you need that temporary temporary solution to give them the belief that the long there is a long-term solution. Yeah, absolutely. A no. lot of it is just, yeah, it's also just individual. Like it is so hard to for a girl to come to me and for her to be like, so when am I going to see results? Because mm. usually it's not the answer they want to hear and also it's not an answer I can provide. Mm. So I'm like, it's completely dependent on like your experience level, where you're starting, your goals, your lifestyle, things like that. Like if you're a single mum of three versus a girl who just works like three days a week at a cafe, like your approaches are going to be completely different and your results are probably going to be completely different. And I think that's a massive thing as well is like, girls comparing themselves to each other like you could train I could have someone train exactly like me eat the exact same foods exact same macros as I do sleep the exact same she is not going to look like me and the same if I was to do that to someone else so yeah like everything is just so individual which again isn't sexy to sell because people are like oh that's complicated and I'm like it's not it's just individualized but that's what sells and that's what gets people in oh absolutely and I get it like people want to make money it's business for sure but I think I'm just, I got sucked into it myself. I used to watch those what I eat in a days all the time and be like, oh, that girl's got a really good body. She eats this. I'm going to eat that. And it wasn't working for me, clearly. <laughs> like, it never worked for me. But it took me a long time for me to realise, like, why? Because I was like, I'm not her. Like, I'm not going to look like her ever. And mm. to be fact, I was like, why do I want to? Like, why do I want to look like this person? And the price tag, you don't really know what comes along with that. Yeah, no, it was a bloody hefty price tag. But it was honestly probably the best price tag because I learned so much. I would not be who I am right now without it. Yeah, there's, there's a lot in that. Like, we want to have one aspect of someone. Like, yeah. I, I think this is massive on the social media space. Whether it's like you mentioned a wedding photo or we see a highlight yeah. and we just want to be in that one moment. Yeah. But often there's thousands upon thousands of little things that led up to that. It's like you can't have the highlight without everything that entailed before that. You'll see someone's successes, like a successful business, but you'll never see all the failed little businesses behind it. Or you'll Mm. see like a client's wins, but you'll never see like all those off weeks, all those little derails and stuff that they had. And I do try and show that for people as well. Like I had a client and she was still lost about 10 kilos, but she had weeks where like she had a father pass or she was sick, things like that. Like you'll have those derailed weeks. It's not always going to be smooth and you'll have those weight spikes, things like that. Like life happens. No one's robots. And that's where having that accountability and habits to fall back on rather than fall back on those unhealthy habits. So it's Mm. like if you've had a big week and all you can do that week is – 
eat your healthy meals, get your water and get your sleep and not train, then at least those habits are better to fall back on than going and binge drinking and binge eating takeout. Yeah, it's the, for me that whole thing is like the trajectory. Like we want to be somewhere so we think we have to implement this perfect thing. But a lot of the time life gets in the way, but that doesn't mean your trajectory should be – like you can you might be plateauing or just slightly going positive, but it doesn't always have to be such a, a – um, an upward slope. Like you can just be heading in the right direction slowly. Yeah. And depending on your situation, you can sort of change the trajectory to be quicker or slower depending on what, what is suiting your lifestyle and being very personalised. Yeah, you'll have months where like you can go smash it or like six months even where you're like, yep, like hitting the gym, it's my all. And then you might have six months where it's like you're more career focused or something like that. You're still maintaining that upward slope, but it's just like the elevation has mm. just gone down a little bit. 100%. So what are the goals? What are the goals in your coaching space for the next, whatever, the future? For 2024? Yeah. Um, I've never wanted to be the biggest and best because – why would I? I don't know what that was. <laughs> that was a list. Yeah. Um, I've always said I never want to be the biggest and best and that doesn't mean I don't want to get better and be bigger. Mm. But my I'm so big on quality over quantity. So, yes, well, I see massive things for my business for 2024 – um, my main thing is still growing, but still maintaining the level of service that I do provide for the girls. And if that means helping another hundred girls, if that means helping another 200, whatever that means, like one extra girl is like my, my job's done. Mm. Um, so I've got that. I've got still some more travel that I want to do um, or that I am doing in 2024. I've got a lot of little things that I've had in the back of my mind for years. And this is what I mean where like, I'm still not perfect. Like I've done what I encourage people not to do and kind of push it to the back of my mind being like someone else will do it, someone else will do it. And I'm like, no, like 2024, 20, like I need to just put my foot down and dedicate the time to mm. doing it and starting it. Um, one day or day one. Exactly, exactly. So I think in the past two months I've really had, ever since I got back from my last holiday, I've really had the like mindset where I'm like, now's the right time. Um, there is no right time. It's there definitely isn't, No. I think now I'm just like, I'm ready to put my foot down. Like yeah. I was making excuses. I think I was prioritizing both my business and travel last year, whereas next year is going to be a lot more these new businesses and the travel. Do you think things happen to us and we call it fate, but we could have, th things could have been so much better, but it's almost sort of like it makes us feel better? What do you mean? Things happen to us and, you know, we don't undertake a business project. Yeah. And we call things fate as almost like a cop out to take to shift away responsibility. Yeah, no, I definitely own responsibility for it. Like I know in myself, it was me. I think with the fear of not fear of failure, but fear of like the grind. Or I think fear of then step it. Not I didn't want to ever take the effort off the current like my current business or like my current clients mm, managing priorities yeah managing priorities for sure and life is all about priorities and my business will always be my number one and I was very scared that anything else would come in front of that so I think finding ways which I have in the past two months to like manage my time better so that I can still focus on these new things I want to do while still providing the best service and growing my business um how, how do you how do you do that? Because I feel like with PT, you want to scale, you want to get it bigger, yeah. but then how do you not lose exactly like the yeah. specialised service that you provide? Time is honestly the main, like time is the rarest currency. Like 
what do they call it? Time is the most valuable currency. Yeah. <laughs> so like you can't buy more time. So that's where, yeah, it's finding other ways, whether it is online coaching, because you can online coach three clients in an hour versus one P- PT. So you can help three more girls than versus one PT. Um, so finding ways like that can help um, build your business. And then, sorry, remind me the question. We were talking about like where you're going with this stuff. So like prioritizing, prioritizing being specialized like versus scaling. So you want to get bigger. Yeah. But like you also want to keep what makes you you, which is like very personalized yeah. coaching. Um, systemizing your business is the main one. Mm-hmm. So having those systems to fall back on. Like I have um, made like an e- welcome ebook and things like that. So girls, like as soon as they start, rather than asking me a million que- one questions, which they sell, can still do, they can just refer to this ebook and it's all there and there for them. So that in itself saves me hours of communicating with them. That's um, smart, very smart. Yeah, little things like that that have taken like years to build, but I'm still building like every day. Like it's like that saying like you're never a master, like you're always still learning. Mm. Um, so yeah, whether it's like I'm always still improving little things in my business that I can scale and grow and help more girls while still managing my own life because I've done the grind to like grind to die mindset and it doesn't, it's not what I preach anymore because it took its own effects on me um, and it's not what I it's not what I aspire to do now. So it's not like I look at my, or I try and advertise myself as slacking off from my business, but I'm so big on promoting, like, I love my work to death, but, and it's my work, but it's not my entire life. Mm. Like, it's a big chunk of my life for sure. But I've still got my downtime where I relax. Otherwise, I'm not practicing what I preach. Because exactly. day, it's still my work. Yeah. I feel like with goal setting for me, I'm, I'm getting in the space, like, 2024, like, you have all these big things you want to do. Yeah. But I'm, I'm almost... Like setting a few, you can have like multiple level goals. So like have a few things you want to do, but the overriding goal is to make it the most enjoyable journey possible. Yeah. yeah and that's the thing. Like you've got all these little things that you want to achieve, but it's like you can achieve those and be miserable and get to the end of the year and not be happy with your year. Or you can achieve them and still do things throughout the year that are making you happy. Mm. Like our life is so short, as cheesy as it sounds. It's so true. And especially in your 20s, like it's the most special decade of like, doing things like it's the best decade as confusing as it is so it's like you can waste it being miserable or you can have that balance yeah 100% anything else to touch on um at the beginning when you were like how'd you get into the space I think I rambled weirdly yeah so what sort of got you into into like personal training and um, I started in the gym with my dad actually doing body pump classes over at Good Life. Um, okay. He would take me along before school. And then as I kind of stepped away from that, I started watching a lot of YouTube um, videos and kind of just teaching teaching myself, I guess. I'd watch these girls on YouTube. That was the original Fitfluencer kind of girls before TikTok and Instagram um, blew up. And yeah, just fell in love with it. I guess the fact that you could throw your earphones in and you were your own competition. And then from there, I obviously fell into a little bit of a hole, got a bit obsessive with it, um, which I'm sure we'll touch on soon. And then after I recovered from that, I finally got back into it. But my mindset had completely swift. Sorry, my mindset had completely shifted from wanting to shrink myself to wanting to grow. Mm. And so I started getting more into the weights training, less overtraining. Um, having much more of a healthy relationship with it 
And then I realised I was like, I love this so much. Like I have taught myself so much. Like my girlfriends were coming to me for advice and things like that. I was like, why don't I just bite the bullet and like study it? Like I could do this. But then obviously everyone was like, it's a really oversaturated market. Mm -hmm. You'll never succeed. There's so many PTs out there. And so that kind of probably stood me off for a little bit. I'd done nutrition or I tried to do nutrition at uni um but chemistry is just not my friend I'm like a very I'm a biology and I'm a math girl so I was at uni for something else at the time but I just wasn't loving it I was like this isn't me like marketing and PR just don't see myself working for someone else I've always had that entrepreneur kind of side to me coming through my dad and I always knew I was like this just this isn't right Mm. so I studied PT that was during COVID and then it all kind of fell into my lap um actually my gym that I was at shut down from like a fire in the building which made, led me to want to change gyms as I was studying and I saw that we were hiring for a receptionist and I was like, perfect way to get my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. I'll just start at reception at the gym and then once I finish my call, I'll be able to like kind of have some connections. Um, that afternoon, he gave me a call. He said, saw your application for receptionist. We're actually opening up one down the road and I saw you're studying PT. Like, do you want to, or like, would you ever be interested in training? And I was like, oh, like, I'm not even qualified yet. I'm still studying. That's fine. I'm happy doing reception. He was like, no, no, don't be silly. Like, I'm actually here right now. Come down the Salvo, check it out. Mm. And I was like, crap, like, this has all happened within, like, <laughs> literally, like, six hours. So I drove my car down 15 minutes to the road. Um, no equipment in the gym yet. Didn't even really know much about the company. He, like, showed me a contract. And I was like, I think I was 18 at the time. And I was like, geez, like, I'm not going to sign anything yet. But I was like, this actually seems pretty sweet. So I brought my dad back the next day. He looked at the contract and he was like, this seems pretty good. Like, why don't you just take it? I was like, I'm not qualified yet. He goes, our opening day is literally the day you qualify. And I was like, I won't have any experience. He goes, that's fine. <laughs> and like, I'm not one for the uni- – like, I'm not very wishy-washy on the universe, but I do think trust timings and trust signs. Mm. And for me, like, everything just aligned. And I signed that contract that day, was there on their starting day, and I have not looked back since. Like, it was the best thing I've done. I've actually got the screenshot. I used to be a cosmopolitan horoscopes kind of gal. I'd look at the Cosmo weekly horoscopes and I actually screenshotted that weekly horoscope. I can't even remember what it said, but it said something along the lines of like something to do with aligning and your career. Mm -hmm. And I screenshotted that and I printed it out and I kept it ever since because everything just lined up. Like I've been there since I haven't thought about changing the like my work friends are literally like a second family because you're there that often. And if it wasn't for that fire, as horrible as the fire was, like no one died. But like, yeah, like that happened for a reason. I wouldn't yeah. be where I was. And three and a half years later, like I've created the business that I love. I've helped over 200 girls. Like I have worked for myself for three and a half years. Like I love it. So yeah, I guess from like going to the gym by myself, body pump classes with dad to now teaching girls away from cardio and restrictive under eating and being scared of weights because they don't want to get bulky to actually feeling empowered in the gym and like transforming just not just their bodies but their mindsets like it has come so far and it's got so far to go but I'm so proud of it Mm, yeah that was the question I was going to ask how proud you are of yourself I think I used to think it was quite obnoxious or selfish to say that I am proud but I am like to think back to I think I think of like 16 year old me as like almost like a little sister Mm. and like if I could go back and give her a little hug and just be like shit's gonna be okay like shit you're gonna have to put in the work absolutely yeah like no one came to I think my main shift that helped me was no one's gonna come save you yeah 100%. and that's what I tell people sometimes as well and they don't want to hear it 
but no one is going to come and save and do the work for you. But it pays off in the end. Like I did the work and I still continue to do the work every single day, but it pays off. It's almost more socially acceptable to be your biggest critic than yeah. your biggest cheerleader. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that you are up yourself or anything like that. That's a difference between like self-love and like ego. And you can like be happy and content. And like we said, like you can want more for yourself whilst being happy and content. But that doesn't mean that you think you're like, you walk into the room and you think you're the best one there. I think it's like that quote and it's like, confidence isn't walking into the room and thinking you're the best person. It's just walking into the room and knowing you have stuff to offer and that you're confident in yourself. And that's the main thing. The line between confidence and arrogance is a well-talked-about talking point on the podcast. It can get blurred pretty easily. Um, But I guess if you're like, it's also very obvious when it is blurred. Mm. And like arrogance and ego is probably two of like the, my like, don't want to call them an ick but like red flags yeah, yeah my biggest are red flags like I don't like them at all but then I also like there's no point in going through life being like oh I'm like negative self-talk or I'm shit or things like that like that's also just not attractive whether it's as a friend or in a partner I think there's a, there's a time and place for a healthy amount of ego like we almost sometimes demonize the ego yeah like I think it's so important to know what you can offer yeah and like being confident in that but I think there's su- there's all or none thinking it's like Oh, either like I've I've got to be all in for myself, or like fuck, I don't like who I am. I've got to be so much better, and like not being content yeah. with yourself and what you currently can offer. Like we talked about, yeah. I think confidence is having a lot of awareness around what you can bring and having the belief that you can bring that, while having awareness of what you you can like what you can't do. And I guess you're so far in life. Like I have girls that come to me that have just started their like personal training business and they're after advice, and I'm like. They'll be selling, like, I think I had one girl and she was doing 10 sessions for $55. And I was like, you have no confidence in what you're offering if you're doing that. Like, mm. you need to, like, have that, like, boss bitch, yeah. <laughs> like, mentality where you're like, this is what I offer. It's good because that's going to attract the right things. Like, if you undervalue yourself or you don't value yourself, how are you going to expect someone else to value what you're offering? Yeah, I think that's a massive one, isn't it? Believing in yourself. Sometimes it has. it might even be slightly delusional but you have to be delusional yeah it's like or you won't get anywhere you'll always be comparing yourself to someone else someone else like we said it will always be better or doing more Mm. but like you have to be so delusional and like what you offer is good like obviously not to the point where you're offering something you're not qualified for or something like that but like yeah like sometimes I'll be sitting there doubting myself on some days and I'm like look at like what I've done like you can do this like you've done it before you're doing it like girls have faith in you like why don't you how do you balance what you can provide them with like still trying to learn more? Because I'm sure there's so much more in like whether it's the mechanics of training or biology of food, whatever, yeah. like that you still want to learn about. Yeah. So how do you like consume more information and still have like a growth mindset? I love a good podcast, but I am constantly investing in my business. I actually try and not take money out of the business. So like the income I earn through the company I try and stay in it and then that's why girls will actually see me sometimes like during summer I'll be working like festival work behind the bar and things like that and that's my travel money because that way I can use that money to then invest the thousands of dollars that's expensive in these seminars and these upskilling courses to continue to get better. So I'm actually going to Gold Coast in March Farm which is super exciting with like industry leaders and things like that. So constantly learning from those that are above you Um, and not seeing it as in like a threat at all like surrounding yourself with people that are doing better than you as well like the people I'm surrounded with at work I'm like 
even if they're not doing better than you, but like they're always going to know things that you don't and not seeing that as a threat. Like the good thing about my workplace is we're all personal trainers, but we never see each other as a threat. We see each other as a learning opportunity. Mm. And another quote, it's like you never, always a student, never a teacher. Mm. Or no, always a student, never a master. Yeah. And like you could be bloody Joe Rogan or um, what's his name? Which one? Podcaster? Mm, Chris, the other one. Chris Williamson? No, the other one. Um, Jay Shetty? Like, oh. The guy with the mo. Oh, that doesn't help. I think. It's <laughs> on my recent podcast. The guy with the mo. Two seconds. He's like the scientist. Oh, Andrew Huberman? Yeah. Andrew Huberman. Okay, let's start that again. What was I saying? <laughs> Andrew Huberman, um, talking about like upskilling, but like yeah. not being threatened. Friendly competition, almost learning, learning opportunities. We're always learning. Like you could be Andrew Huberman. He absolutely acknowledges it all the time. He'll be like, these things I said two years ago, I've actually changed my perspective on or I've learned more about it. Like you could be one of the smartest people in the room, which he is. Like he's so incredibly <laughs> smart. It's insane. But like he's constantly still learning. And I think if you ever adopt, adopt that ego where you're like, I know enough or I know it all and you stop learning, that's where both your business is going to fail and you're going to fail as a human. Like there is always different perspectives to learn or new information a simple way i frame it is like if you're not listening you're not learning yeah so like that's that, that's the whole premise of the podcast and that's legit why legit i just sounds like a weird word but that's the, that's the reason that i continue to do it because yeah. every episode there's a learning opportunity yeah and it's like going in like with what you know and using that to accelerate the conversation Absolutely. But, but knowing that everyone has their own experiences and insights and especially a recent one that I thought of is like, I want to have these conversations in my 20s so I don't have to look back and have regret in my 80s. Like there's yeah. so there's like there's so much we can learn by having hard conversations. And, and that's it's a bit off topic, but the whole premise for this stuff that I'm doing is like there isn't enough of these conversations. Like no. this chat today, like, I don't know, there's so many people that would benefit from having a chat and it might not even be listening to this. It might be having it with the people, but yeah. it's almost like setting the standard by having these and learning along the way to how to how to better everyone and be happy and live a more fulfilling life by having these conversations, being being vulnerable, um, taking your ego out of the picture because a lot of the time the ego is just like the compensatory, just like because you're scared of like, oh my god, what if I don't have life figured out? Yeah, guess what? You don't. You don't. No one does. You don't. I, um, Chris Williamson, huge podcast and interviews yeah. some of the most famous people in the world, and he says. All, all of the people's interviews, like these really famous people from yeah. the external, like, oh, they've all got it figured out. They still, like, don't know what they're doing. No. They Everyone's just literally making up as a go, but it's just, again, like, that confidence is in, like, you just – you fake it till you make it. And just know what you can and can't do. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with not being able to do something. It yeah. doesn't mean – it's, like, it's not, a we- it's not a weakness. It's a strength to be able to acknowledge it and know what you can bring to the table. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so – that's sort of most of the points got covered here. Is um, anything else to finish on? I don't think so. Obviously, many things to cut out. I ramble and lose nah. my train of voice so much. No, nah, it, was, it was great. There's so much, so much good value in that stuff. Um, yeah. So I'll I'll put Alex's um stuff in the show notes below. Um, but thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Definitely an unreal experience and you've done such good things with the podcast so far Thank and you. I can absolutely see you blowing up. It's Thank insane. you. I appreciate it. No, it's definitely exciting. All right. Well, thanks guys. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you.
Thank you again for listening. There was lots of great value in that chat. I've put her socials in the show notes below if you're wanting to see more of her content. Thanks again and I'll see you in the next one. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.